Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders and miracles take place at the teaching of your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. So we've been looking at the, the subject that all be saved, God's desire and our role. And in the first session we talked about the fact that God wants all men saved. We saw in the second session the fact that God wants men to come into the place of maturity. Today and next Sunday, I'm going to talk about our role. First of all, our role in seeing that all men are saved. Um, yesterday, I was in Port Harcourt. We had a pastor's meeting in Port Harcourt. Dear Timothy, we are trained pastors. We had a pastor's meeting in Port Harcourt. And um, it was a good meeting. You know, we had very good feedback from the pastors that attended. And I was talking about some of these things, why we as pastors need to come back to the centrality of the gospel and the centrality of what God wants us to do as a church. And I did say, for instance, when was the last time we talked about missions in church? And, you know, uh, an older pastor who came in said something quite interesting. He said, oh, that in his that he just realized when I spoke about that, that for a long time, he has not talked about missions. You know, it's just like, oh, oh there's something called missions. And you would, you would, you would want to wonder, why is the church set up in the first place? How many of you realize that gradually, we are beginning to change the purpose of the church? And change the mandate of the church? Praise God. Because now, the Bible says in the last days that people are going to heap up teachers for themselves because they will have itching ears. So now we want to teach what people will hear as opposed to what people need to hear. The church wasn't set up to please you. The church was set up to teach you about God so you can serve God. And if we're not careful, we will build a church in our own image and likeness and not what God wants us to do. And so it's important that we call ourselves to order continually, continually. Not just once in a while, not just one sermon to please God, but continually. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that's where we stopped and that's where we're going to pick up. So we talked about discipleship. Acts 1 8, praise God. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Um, I was saying in our growth class this morning, one of the things I'm going to be teaching on next year is developing our quiet time, our personal devotion. And the reason is because I see a trend now grow ongoing and it's developing and that's having 
We do that in church once a month just to give a corporate direction. So I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. But I see right now that believers are having to pray in the morning. There's, there's one pastor leading you in prayer. You're jumping from one prayer to another, one YouTube channel to another. Morning hour, morning dew, glory morning, power morning, fresh start. Christianity was not designed for that. You need to have your own personal quiet time with God. You, you don't have to be constantly led all the time. And we need to rediscover the power of personal devotion. And the reason I brought that up is because when you read Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit had come. He wasn't just talking to the apostles. He was talking to the 120 people that were gathered in the upper room. That everybody who is born again has the mandate to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to you to send and fire to your enemies. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to you just to speak in tongues and shake in church. The Holy Spirit wasn't sent to you to blast in tongues so that people in your compound will know that you are really filled. It was given to you to be a witness. What, what is a witness? A witness is one who testifies what he has seen, what he had experienced. And the Bible says, to the remotest part of the earth, the remotest part of the earth, the New American Standard Bible says, or to the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth speaks to the most remote place the gospel needs to get there. And we have a responsibility to it. Not just the pastors. In fact, the pastors have the responsibility to equip you, like we said, so that you can do the work of the ministry. You were not born again just to get to the next level. Or the next phase of your life. You should know that the Holy Ghost on the inside of you is to enable you share the gospel. And if you aren't sharing the gospel, you ain't pleasing God. And let me tell you. If you, if you live in our world today, you will realize that there is a big agenda against the rise of the Christian faith. What we call tolerance, what we call giving everybody space, what we call respecting everybody's view, they are all just subtype blockades from you sharing the gospel. Because you cannot watch people going to hell and you're just quiet about it. Except you really do not understand the gospel. Except you do not believe the gospel. So in Acts 1, 8, God gave them this mandate, just as He's given us today. But then they settled in Jerusalem, and Acts chapter 8, verse 1, persecution happened. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. They were comfortable, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And you see what God did. When the persecution came, the apostles weren't scattered. It was the other people, the members, the church, those that were born again that were scattered. Verse 3, some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women, that he would put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Who went about preaching the word? Those who were scattered, not the apostles. Not the apostles. And I've told you before that, um, you know, when you are serious with God, people will say, are you a pastor? You know, there's a way you interpret scripture. Yeah, are you a pastor? Are you a pastor? 
You know, there's a way you even, like she said, there's a way you would dress decently. They would say, hey, are you a man of God? Do you want to be a pastor? And you, you also, as if it's a crime, you don't want to be a criminal. So you say, no, uh, no, I'm not serious. You're just losing your time. I'm not serious. I'm scatter your head. What's there? What are you ashamed of? Or what are you afraid of? We've come to a place right now where, listen, the truth of the matter is, Brother Higgins said it, if churches will do their jobs, there will be no need for a Bible school. There will be no need for a Bible school. You ought, the church ought to be a Bible school. These people did not go to seminary to learn how to preach. Just by feeding on the apostles' doctrine. They went everywhere preaching. So, um, Philip, I, I said last Sunday, was serving food in church. But he went to Samaria. Go to verse verse um, 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip. And as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing, Philip, Philip, for in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. There was much. One man went into the city and there was much rejoicing. He wasn't even an apostle. Today we don't give much time to the word anymore. We like entertainment. Right? So we have to import all kinds of things to the church to make people happy. Getting comedians, getting dancers... You know, <laughs> I remember one time they were to do Champions League on a, was it a Sunday morning also? And then we had churches, right? You know, set up big TV screens so that people, or I don't know what time it was, but you know, people just watch the Champions League final and then they can switch into service or just finish service. Then they can watch the Champions League final. Just, I, I think there was, I don't know what the time was. Because we didn't want people to you know, choose the Champions League final over church. So we wanted to make it comfortable for them either immediately after service. <laughs> they can watch the final. Our comfort has become our God. And we're grateful to God for the nation that we're in because, well, Nigeria has risen up in, in persecution index for Christianity. Nigeria has really gone up unlike before. Nigeria has really, really gone up. But in this part of the country, there's really no persecution here. You can come here and serve the Lord. And you'd be grateful for that. Be grateful for that. Because if some of us were in nations where there's really persecution against the Christian faith, I'm not sure we will even survive one day. And you, you need to reconsider your faith. You need to reconsider if you really believe in this God or you're just showing up in church because it's a good thing to do. You really need to consider where God is, the role, the place God is in your life. Or if this thing is just, I go to work, I go to church, I go to the club, this is just part of my life. You, you have to consider your eternal destiny. You have to consider where you are with God. And don't just play church. And it's interesting because as we pastor, we find it interesting because sometimes people feel like coming to church is doing us a favor. You, you, you know, we call you and you okay, pastor, don't worry, I will try to come. As if when you come, you know, the numbers are big 
then it makes me feel like I'm a very important man of God or I'm pastoring the largest church in the city. It has nothing to do with me. Absolutely nothing. This is something about your relationship between you and God. And if you feel that this is where God has called you to learn His Word, then you better obey God and sit down and learn the Word of God. And stop doing hide and seek. I'm making everybody chasing after you to serve God. How are you? I will try, sir. I will try. No, don't try. And it's because, it, 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 it's because we've designed church to be very um, uh, apologetic. Pastors are begging people to serve God. Pastors are, you know, and, 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 and we make it look like, you know, you are an extra feather to my cap. So the more feathers I have, the more of a big man of God I am. I mean, you meet a different kind. Do I want the church to grow? Fantastic. I want it to grow. But you're old enough not to be chased around. I thought you said you've been a Christian for 15 years. Why are they still following you up? When will you follow others up? Aren't you ashamed? That after 15 years of being given birth to, God can't trust you to lead someone else to him? You should be embarrassed. Uh, you know, I don't really trust pastors. You are just being a noisemaker. Why don't you trust pastors? Uh, because I don't know where they are leading people nowadays. Why don't you know where they are leading people? Don't you have a Bible? Can't you read? You have the Word of God. Whatever any any person teaches you, open the Word of God and do what? Go through it again. That's the Berean believer. But you're too lazy to do that. So the Christian faith was not designed for you to just come to church every Sunday and receive blessings. No, it was that the Holy Ghost was put on the inside of you so you can spread the message to a sick and a dying world. Interestingly, the world that is sick and dying is the world that we fall in love with. And you cannot change who you are followed in love with. That's where the fundamental problem is. So you know, typically... Right? Our life is based on the cars we buy, the houses we have. Are you following that? That's it. Are you, are you happy? Yeah, let it show in your expression. Give me a verbal communication that you are blessed. I mean, your non-verbal communication is not good at all. But this is the truth. And we have to tell ourselves the truth. Even me as a pastor, I have to tell myself the truth. Why, why do we have this whole setup? Is it just because we want to have a nice, comfortable church or God can trust us to reach the lost? Because there's a sick and a dying world out there that needs the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Alright, I'm going to talk about the Great Commission and I'll show you two things there. But let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.15. Look at this. He says, Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 14 says, For the love of God controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. He says, The love of God controls us, or the love of God con- constrains us. Right? Now he says, 
Verse 15, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. He says, those who live should no longer live for themselves. That means the Christian life um, is that we should live for others. He says, those who live might no longer live for themselves. It's not just about you. Says, but you live for him who died for you. There is a reason. We must, you know, when people got born again in those days, they were in a hurry to share the truth of the word of God. We wanted people to know. Praise God. We wanted people to know Christ. You wanted your father to know Christ. You wanted people to know, you wanted to share the good news with them. What happened to us? As we came to church, our taste buds changed. We no longer wanted people to hear the good news. We wanted, we wanted the blessing to be loud so that the neighbors would know that our God is alive. Everything nice about us. Right? All the prayer points are about us. Hmm? Everything is about how blessed we can be, how rich we can be, how, you know, it's just about us. We're not, we're not living for the one who died for us. And can I tell you something? God is not even demanding any sacrifice from us. He's just asking us, share this good news. What about if God will call you and say, go into missions? You're almost tempted to say, God forbid. Yeah. What did David Livingstone see when he left and came to Africa and says, provided it's forward, we will go. What did Mary Slessor see? What did Charles Hudson Taylor see when he went to China? The Oxford Seven, what did they see when they went to the Amazon forest? What did these people see? What was the propelling factor that made John G. Lake to sell his business and go to South Africa? Not today that there were planes or their planes and comfort. What made these people to go into these places to share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ? What was the compelling factor? What would we do to see more people hear the word of God, the truth of God's word? And we need to ask ourselves these questions. Are we just Christians so that we can show other people the blessings of God? To what end? If heaven rejoices over a soul that is saved, are we causing heaven to have joy? And it's interesting sometimes, is the prosperity that we have that prevents us from sharing the gospel. Praise God. Are you still here? Okay. Second Corinthians um, chapter 5. Okay. So we, we, we continue. Let's read from verse 16. Therefore from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Verse 17. How many of us like Second Corinthians 5.17? What does he say? Tell me. What does Second Corinthians 5.17 say? If any man be in Christ, he is what? He is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. How many of you love that scripture? Beautiful scripture. If any man is in Christ, I'm a new creature. Why do you stop there? Because that concerns you, right? Makes you know that my sins are forgiven. Makes you know that, hey, I'm forgiven. Beautiful. Let's read on. Now all things are from God. 
who has done what? A church of the living God. Let's read together. Now all things are from God who has done what? Reconciled us to himself through Christ and... Who did God give the ministry of reconciliation? So how come you're a new creature and you don't take this ministry serious? Just the next line. You have the ministry of reconciliation. How many of you are called into the ministry? Let me see your hands up. Everybody should raise your, raise your hand. Even though you don't understand what I'm saying. Raise it. What ministry are you called into? So let me ask you one question. Are you fulfilling that ministry? <laughs> Can you see that? You are not a new creature just to go to heaven. You are a new creature because God cannot trust you with the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry that you are supposed to be equipped to in Ephesians chapter 4. I'll tell you something. When you stand before God, you'll be amazed at questions God will not ask you. I know some of you are just feeling on the judgment day, boy, you stand before God and just tell him, relax. Right? Like, God said, tell me what you did with, with your life. Say, I want to thank you first of all. Because you are a good God. That's why I do worship Satan. I have a house in Port Harcourt. It's duplex. Do you know duplex? I have an idea what duplex is. I have one in Lagos. I give birth to three bouncing... You know, not every child bounces, right? <laughs> I have three bouncing baby children. Hmm? Then I've got a handsome husband, nice beard, walked out, no pot belly all the days of his life. Right? Then we went on vacation to... Uh, I, I forgot. If my husband was here, I would have asked him. But when I mean, you're going to tell God all of these things and you think God is going to look at you impressed? You know how God is going to think of you? You wasted your life. Because what will count in your record is what you did with the ministry of reconciliation. He's just going to look at you and say, okay, crypto, we made it. See, when I bought that coin, he entered. God's going to be like, Wow. Well done, good and faithful servant. So when you stand before the Lord, what will you tell him you did with your life? It's like, God, ah, there was this hairstyle that was really that. Uh, ah, were you born there? 2000 and this hair. We did five of it at once. It's amazing that our earthly achievement that makes us happy makes God sad. Not because God doesn't want us blessed, but all these things ought to enable us to fulfill the ministry of reconciliation. You know what that means? As you're going to that salon to make your hair, you have in mind that if this person who is making my hair consistently is not born again, I'm going to share the gospel with them. Are are you following what I'm saying? You see, that's how a Christian thinks. A Christian thinks... That's the way Muslims think. Muslim, Muslim people, the Islamic faith, do not think if we come here... We will just be in this corner. No, they think take over. I was sharing with a friend of mine in Europe, and that's one of the strongest agendas they have in Europe right now. And you can see the intentionality 
with which they get into Europe. The intentionality of invasion, the intentionality of taking. That's how Christians should think. Don't just think comfort. God doesn't have any problem with us having all of this comfort. But listen, they're not the things he wants to judge. It's the fulfillment of that ministry. Come on, let's read on. Let's go to verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not committing their trespass against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He did not only give us the ministry, he gave us the, he gave us the message. What is the message? That God is not judging the world of their sins anymore. He's paid the price. They should now come to him. Praise God. Therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God, we are making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are Christ ambassadors. We share the gospel. We are intentional about the gospel. Praise God. God has not just made you a new creature. He has committed to you the ministry of reconciliation. To share the gospel. You see, if the gospel was not shared, we would not be here. It was, so, it was because someone paid the price that we are here. What, why would you deny the next generation of the light of God's word? Praise God. Are you still here? John 4, 39. You know the story of the woman at the well? Account at Jesus, John 4, 39. John 4, 39. You know what the Bible says about that woman? Interesting. It says, from that day, from, sorry, from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I've done. She, she shared her testimony and opened up the city to Jesus. Remember, if you read the story very carefully, uh, Jesus was hungry and sat at the well waiting for food to be brought and met this woman. Jesus was not too hungry that he didn't share the gospel. Share the gospel with the woman. And the whole city opened up. Some of us, our hunger will not make us share gospel. Our prosperity will not make us share gospel. Nothing makes you to share the gospel. Eh? If they tell you, preach now, child, I don't know what to say. But you have had up to five girlfriends in your life. And you didn't go to the school of girlfriend getting. You researched why can't you research and share the gospel like that? Sometimes it's about sharing your story. How Christ saved you. See, the things God does in your life is to give you an entry point to share the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you have been so blessed that that becomes an opportunity to share the gospel. And child of God, as we're going into the year that is coming before us, make the gospel a priority. And let me tell you something. I think this was a, a theology that messed us up where sharing the gospel was concerned. There's nothing wrong with it, but you know, some people say, well, some people are to go and preach. Some are to support them with money. There's nothing wrong. Right? There's a message I'm going to preach next year because I'm going to really emphasize so really next year. There's a message I'm going to preach next year where, um, when John Wesley said it's the obligation of Christians to use their resources for the conversion of Christians, for the conversion of, he, of the hidden. It was a book he published many years ago. So I'm going to teach you that book. 
publish it, I think, in 1800. I'm going to teach from that book. That it is the obligation of Christians to use their wealth for the conversion of the heathens. That's something the Islamic faith has taken deeply. You see, we must understand the purpose of prosperity. We must understand why God gave us wealth. I'm the Lord that God that giveth the power to get wealth. So to, I will establish the covenant. There is a purpose for wealth. A Christian shouldn't be the one that once he pays his tithe, it, that's all. It's like you have just paid the mafia boss your, your monthly subscription. Then the rest of the money is for yourself. No. A thousand times no. Your, your funding, your, your finances should be key, you know, recorded in the gospel. And most importantly, you should preach the gospel. Hmm? You know, that's one of the reasons why, I mean, our church is well balanced. Thank God for all the men that came in. But you, you remember, that's, that's one of the reasons a lot of men were not coming to church. Because, you know, pastors were teaching them, your own is just to support the work. If you don't come, support the work. Support the work. And guys were just working and sending money and dropping their wives and sending money to the church account. And the pastor was praying prayer for them. You see, you must, let me tell you something. Eh? Your money cannot replace your soul. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You there here? <laughs> your money cannot replace your soul. That you have given an offering does not mean you have obeyed God. You can give an offering and you have not obeyed God. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is not doing this exchange that immediately you give money. He blinds his eyes to the life you are living. So, your giving of offering is one of your acts of obedience. Your preaching the gospel is another act of obedience. You don't use one to replace the other. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And don't think you are paying me to preach. I earn a salary in this church because I'm working. So don't think as far as that salary is paid, you have fulfilled your obligation. No. I can as well say as far as I've preached on Sunday, I've fulfilled my obligation. No. This is for organizational purposes. You don't have enough money to pay me. This is so that when the books are looked at, we can, according to the natural law, are you hearing what I'm saying? I have a responsibility to still preach the gospel. Not just to you now as I'm doing. I say as a Christian, this ministry of reconciliation has also been committed to me. Not just in my office as a pastor, but as a believer. Just as you there as a believer has the ministry of reconciliation. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are first Christians before we are anything. You're first a Christian before you're a pastor. You're first a Christian before you're a deacon. You're first a Christian before you're a businessman. Praise God. John 1.4 John 1.41, please. It's important we remind ourselves of this. John 1.41. Uh, verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Then he found first his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which was translated Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, Peter. Do you realize that? He brought Peter. Brought his own brother. He brought his own brother. And it's that Peter that later became who? The apostle. You, that convert you are bringing, you don't know what they are going to become. When I accepted the Lord Jesus, 
I think the people around me had no clue what I was going to become. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But brought his own brother. There must be a desire that when you find Christ, you get people, oh, come hear the message. I've heard this message. Come hear it. A Christian should be passionate about all the, Christ, all the people hearing the truth of God's word. It should burn in your heart. Oh, this person is close to me. He's not born again. What, what must I do that he hear the gospel? What must I do that he hear the truth of God's word? Don't just be comfortable. This world is fleeting. In a few years, you'll be out of here. What will be your contribution? And unfortunately, we have also started preaching what I call a social gospel. So we just feel that if we feed orphans, if we, if we buy clothes for widows, if we send people to school, we have done well. No, no, that's not the gospel. We show the love of Jesus, but people need to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, we are just feeding sinners fats. We are just clothing sinners. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on church, are you hearing what I'm saying? We ought to be about the gospel. Evangelism was never designed to be a department in church. All of us have to have a passion for souls. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 19, Matthew 28 verse 19, what you call the great commission. Hmm? The great commission has become the great omission. Matthew 28 verse 19. Praise God. It says, verse 18 says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Right? <laughs> Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You know, many years ago, a man invited me for a program. The title was Power Must Change Hands. So I told him, well, I didn't go, but I told him, I said, oh, sorry, I can't preach on this team. He now said, you know, he's talking about power has changed hands, power. What was he trying to even explain? You know, but I explained to him that Jesus already said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So if you are saying power must change hands based on the scripture, so not based on what you think, based on the scripture, you're actually saying power must change hands from the hands of Jesus to Satan. He said, no, that's not what it means. I said, but that's what the Bible wrote. The Bible says all. What's all? Everything. What's our definition of all? Everything minus nothing. So who has all authority in heaven and on earth? Jesus. So Satan is not powerful. He's deceptive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Alright. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That word nations is the Greek word ethnos. Ethnos means uh, it describes the Gentile nation but also describes customs, cultures, civilization or ethnic race. Two words were used. Two words were translated nations and I'm going to I'll tell you the two. So the first one is ethnos. Teach all nations. Go to every ethnic group. Every ethnic group needs to hear the message in their language. Praise God. Every ethnic group needs to hear the word. That's why when a fool and a man gets born again, he's more of your brother than a, 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 someone from your tribe who is not born again. I've told you something. If the gospel was properly preached, you cannot have ethnicity in the church. If you really know the gospel, you cannot have ethnic group. 
That, oh, because I'm from this state, all the pastors in this place has to be from this state because you know we are our own people. What's that? Praise God. A, someone who is from anywhere in the world that has received the Lord Jesus is as much of your brother. That's why, you know, if we, if we practice this faith the way it is in scripture, sometimes it will look like we are mad. Huh? Do you know the Bible tells you that <laughs> you should do good? Right? As you have opportunity, do good. Then it says, especially to what? The household of faith. You know what that scripture is trying to tell you? That if you have an opportunity to do good, your priority should be the one who is your brother in Christ first. Especially. Especially means this is who you should focus on. You know why? Because when people got born again, they saw the church as their family. And until we restore this foundational truth, we will have issues. I remember when we wanted to get married. One of my auntie asked me, Oh, you're marrying somebody from this place. How would she speak the language? I said, No. I'm not Minister of Information and Culture. I was not called for the preservation of my language. I don't have a problem. It's a good language. It's not the bad. Uh, if you don't speak it, uh, who will speak it? There are people in this life who have seen that as their purpose. They will speak it. But I'm very clear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm very clear on why I'm here on earth. Not for the extension of a natural language. And if you don't do that, and nobody will be from our tribe. Oh God, relax. Relax. <laughs> There's a greater call on our life. Some of these decisions might look foolish, but there's a greater call. There are higher things in this life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This, this world must lose value to us so we can see Christ. Why did pastors start corrupting the message that is very clear in scriptures? Is what to eat, what to drink, what to wear. It's no more than that. Drive a bigger car, right? Right? <laughs> Stay in a bigger house. Let me tell you all the things you are pushing for in this life. What is, is finished now? Is it not what to eat, what to drink, what to wear? Instead of drinking Coke, you are not drinking sharp man. <laughs> it's just the quality of the drink. Eh? Or instead of drinking Coke, they now put ice. Not ice block. Ice block is when you're on this side of the world. You say ice. You remove the block when you have crossed. Say, put some ice there. Say, oh, say, rich man. Why say, poor ice block? They know that God has not settled your case. That ice is just that it's cube. It's not different from the ice block you were licking when you were small. It's just that they, you know, there's a way prosperity makes us just look things. They say, put ice. If ice, drinking coke with ice. Oh God, his ice block. You need to see things that way. You, you understand what I'm saying? So that drinking coke with ice will not now lead you out of the will of God. See things that there's nothing. There's nothing. Hmm? You buy coke in your house, two hundred. You go to Sheraton, you pay fifteen thousand. Is 
the, the, is coke. What you are paying for is those ladies serving you that are smiling. You are paying for the air conditioner. You are paying for the lights. It's many things. It's rent you are paying for. Then they greet you before they give you. Instead of the one that will say, go and take it there. The fridge is here. So it just, those are some of the things you are paying for. You are just paying for greeting. You good morning, sir. They will smile. They will turn it for you and all of those. But you know, see things that way. There's nothing. If the veil behind this world is pulled out, you realize there's nothing. When Solomon says all is vanity, trust him. The man had 1,000 women. He still said vanity. You understand what I'm saying? The man was the richest in the world. He still trust him. That the things you are trying to touch, the man touched them. And he still said it is vanity. Trust Solomon. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So Mark 16, 15, show you something here now. Praise God. Because it's the comfort of this world that sometimes makes us not to preach the gospel. You must see this world from what it is. Mark 16, 15. When Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, the world, the word, W-R-R-D, called world, W-O-R-L-D there, is the, is the word cosmos. The word cosmos describes the orderly arrangement of things or the system or the fashion. A circle of friends, a sphere of influence or where you live. That's the same word Paul used in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 when he called Satan the God of this world. He wasn't just talking about Satan as the God of this physical world but the God of the systems, the influence, the order of things. So what are we saying in these two verses? We are saying that God wants us not just only to influence every ethnic group. He wants us to influence, or sorry, to preach the gospel to ethnic groups. But he wants us to preach the gospel to every system that we are in. Your circle of friends. Your workplace. Are you, um, are you a barber? That's your world. Preach the gospel there. Are you a student, right? That's your world. Preach the gospel there. Are you a seamstress? Are you a fashion designer? Preach the gospel because fashion designers will be more open to you. See, let me tell you something. No matter how hard I preach in this pulpit, right? There are people who will never listen to me, but will listen to you. And you know what? God is trusting you to reach those people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are people that will never hear me preach. In fact, the fact that I'm a pastor, some people will just decide that they will not hear me. Instead of aiding the gospel, it does what? Blocks the gospel. But for you, they will hear you. So God is counting on all of us to get this work done. Can you say amen? John 4.35. John 4.35. Praise God. John chapter 4 verse 35. Verse 34 says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This was the woman at the well. Jesus, they had brought the food and Jesus said, I'm no longer hungry. There's a satisfaction that comes from doing the will of God. Let me tell you, when you preach to someone, oh, there's a satisfaction. Hmm? I like when one of our sisters was sharing about when they gave for FRC, we all talked about our faith offering. She said, when I gave this money, I just had a kind of joy. Yeah. When you also win souls, you'd have those joys. When I teach the word of God, there's an excitement I have. I'm just happy to teach God's word. 
Hmm? So Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father and to accomplish it. He says, do you not say there are yet four months and there comes the harvest? He says, behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look on the fields and they are white for harvest. The fields are white. Or Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. Let's leave that. He says, don't say there are four months. What does that tell us? Don't say you'll preach in the next one year. The field is white. And can I tell you, child of God, if there's a greater time we need to preach the gospel, is today. Oh, our world is... Boy, our world is going to hell on a speedboat. All kinds of evil. <laughs> I was sharing something with my wife. And, you know, I saw it online. Somebody says, God aware of this generation. That the evil is much. Right? A generation where... Children are now using their parents to make money. Right? People are kidnapping themselves. Extra, <laughs> boy. Evil. You'd hear stories. Boyfriends killing, go- killing girlfriends for phones. All kinds of evil. Employees cheating on people. All kinds of stuff just going on. Because people need the gospel. People need the gospel. You buy something, you can't trust what people are selling. People don't mind hundreds of people dying. Right? Formulating something that can kill someone. They don't mind. The solution is the gospel. Go to developed nations. You see people will pick up guns and go into schools and just shoot everyone. Go to shopping malls, shoot everyone. Hmm? The gospel. There are nations in this world that need the gospel. We cannot fold our hands and watch religion. Very sad story. A dear friend of mine. I was sharing with Pastor Mary. Very sad story. See, it breaks my heart and I'm still praying for him. Very sad story. Dear friend of mine, had a good church in South Africa, walking in the miraculous. I mean, that guy has seen more healings than I have. Seen, seen people, cripples walk, blind eyes open. He, he walks in the miraculous in a very strong way. I preached for him, preached in his church. He went to India. <laughs> went to do outreach in India once. Went back, second time. He came back. I don't know what they taught him. As I speak to you right now, he's changed his church name to a yoga spiritual center for wellness. He's doing yoga. He's selling yoga mats. He's doing stuff. I'm telling you, my dear friend. And it breaks my heart. Because that's one more soul lost. You see... Our stability is in the continuity of staying with the basics. There is no higher truth than Christ died for you and saved you. The, the foolishness of the cross is the power of God unto salvation. The first thing I'd like to say as I wrap up this series, tomorrow, I'm sorry, next Sunday, I'm going to talk about your role in discipleship. This is your role in getting people saved. Remember that all be saved and be established in truth. Let me tell you something. The first decision everybody here needs to make is to ensure that you're born again. Not just that you show up in church. Ensure that you're born again. And it's simple. 
You receive the Lord Jesus into your heart. You ask him to forgive your sins. Open your heart to him and say, Lord, I'm willing to go with you. The second thing is you should make sure that you are established as a Christian. This serving God only on Sundays, you, you need to stop it. You need to be established in the word of God. Become a serious Christian. First, stop this, I am busy, I am busy. Prioritize your worship. Prioritize God in your life. Let God be at the center of your life. God is not in this world to serve you. You are here to serve God. God is not in heaven for you to just present your Father Christmas list to him. And he's serving you year after year, year after year. No, you were created for his pleasure. Take your God serious. You make up your mind that you're going to next as you're going to next day. Put it in your goal. I will not miss service. I will not miss my prayer time. I will not miss my word time. I'll be in the house of God and I'll serve God. You've been a Christian for 15 years. They can't use you to do anything in the local church. Except you are a tighter. Who cares? Who cares? Why do we reduce our worship of God to just, we, we've paid him and that's all. Who cares about that? How much is the tithe? How much are we talking about here? So I paid my tithe for the month and that's all. How old have you been a Christian? 20 something years. What use has your Christianity done for the kingdom of God? Apart from your money. I'm not saying don't tithe. So make sure you bring your tithe. I say, I say they don't want my tithe. Bring it. But be serious. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be serious. Be serious with your faith. Grow up. Even if you have grown, there are still what? Heights. One disciple went to Samaria and brought joy to what? The whole city. So we are talking about growing up to the place where God can take you and take you to one city and God trusts you that that city is captured because you are there. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is the desire for every one of us here. Can you imagine if every one of us here grows up to that level? God can just disperse us all around the world. And God knows that ambassadors have been sent where? Everywhere. Is that not what foreign nations do? Send the ambassador. One ambassador to a country. One ambassador to a country. Trusting that that ambassador would represent their values. How many of us think there are areas for all of us to improve? Come on. How many of you think there are areas for all of us to improve? Even as pastors, these messages must not just be once a while. We must constantly remind ourselves that we have a mandate. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we come before you this morning and we just repent of not paying attention to the Great Commission as a church, as a people, as individuals. And Lord, we ask that you forgive us and, 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 and build this word in our heart that we will re- reconsider our priorities and give priority to the task, the unfinished task, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God.
Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.